theyeshiva.net. Somebody brought props. Thank you for the props. They're very meaningful. <laughs> I will. So you see how easy this is to melt, right? This is called a koirit of shelag. Yeah. Little snowflake. And it's already melted. Shavasa. Shavasa. It's already my mayim achreinim. Or mayim rishonim on the This guy, right, is... Uh, Although there's the external parts that melt a little bit, but it's a, it's a chefza, as he puts it, av, kosher, especially when you get to icebergs, and he said sometimes you have kerach that's kama amais, the thickness is many feet, and it's so heavy, it's so strong, it's so powerful, that people walked over rivers, as they still do in Russia and other places where they freeze, Canada, and... Uh, and as he put it, they would take wagons over rivers with heavy, heavy burdens. And uh, even if it wasn't so thick, but it was, it was so dense, it was tough, it could carry extremely heavy burden on top of the river, even though when spring would come and summer would come and the ice would melt, it would be impossible to do that, obviously. And, uh, you know, anybody who would attempt doing that, obviously, could... Uh, could drown Khalil, and in fact, it was always risky, you know, at the end of the winter, the beginning of spring, because uh, people would go out with their horses or take a walk or whatever, go skiing, and, uh, you know, if it was, uh, if there was, uh, <coughs> if they didn't realize that something was melting, it could be very dangerous. <coughs> okay, so let's now continue inside, and then, of course, water, we know what water is, water l'chadchile you can't walk on, as it's completely a liquid form, it doesn't have that solid form, which is captured in in in, uh, in snow, or in uh, in sleet, in hail, or in what we would call karach ice. So let's learn further inside. It's in the Maimer page one twenty six, the second column one two three four five one two three four five six. Six lines from the top. If you weren't here at the first year, which was two days ago, Monday, it's Kedai de Chazeret, so you just follow it inside, because well, Tanya describes vividly and physically the difference between the water and the snow and the ice in a very il- illustrative fashion. Now it's important to understand the difference between snow and ice, which we pointed out above in terms of the physical properties, external properties. The condensing element or the contracting element. Now, when I say contracting and condensing, I don't mean here in the sense that the water <coughs> becomes smaller because, on the contrary, ice expands the water. But the point here is, in terms of from a liquid state to a solid state, which means it becomes compact, it becomes uh, condensed in that sense. We're calling it a tzimtzum. Tzimtzum means contraction or restriction because it's restricted now. It's, it's, it's rigid. It's in one solid place. It's a solid. It's not a liquid. So he says that tzimtzum, 
the element of, of condensment, condense, con, condensing or, or, or contracting in shelig is cotton. It's much smaller relative to the ice. Based on what we explained above about ice, shoinyin the congealing of it, the ice, is thick and it's hard. Kivutz means uh, in, in English you would say uh, is uh, I guess uh, compact, contract, condensed, yeah. That's the concept of kivutz. That's kibbutz. This is kibbutz. Chof yud, not kof yud. And vav vav tzadik, not vez vav tzadik. Yeah. It could be it's connected. V'kapceinu yachat. Yeah. But it's a different word. Kibbutz. L'chavetz. Sefakvetzt. Collapse. Okay. What the word kibbutz. Collapse. The same concept. The previous state collapses, so to speak, into a different state. It collapses into itself, yeah. The previous state of Mayim collapses into itself, where it becomes just one solid piece of of, of ice, but in a lesser form, snow. So they both have the common denominator, that the water is not any more liquid. And it's as a result of water hitting the freezing, what's called the freezing state, right? The temperature that uh, below that temperature there's what we call water becoming frozen. And that's a certain particular temperature that the water has to encounter to be able to be impacted this way. So essentially that's the common denominator. The water became frozen. That's what happened. Now obviously the, the mechanisms are somewhat different. When you're dealing with snow, what you have is ice crystals that are being formed in clouds. Now clouds as we will see, are made up of, uh, as we know today, billions and billions of uh, micros- <coughs> excuse me, microscopic drops, droplets of water. That's what they're made up of. Billions and billions of droplets of water. Trillions, billions, trillions of, of, of droplets of water. When the temperature up there in the clouds hits below freezing point, below the point of being frozen. So these droplets of water turn into ice crystals. But it's not just water. Snowflakes will only happen when the ice crystals are attracted to a particle of dust or soot that's in the cloud, and the cloud has particles of dust of earth. And around that dust, around that dust, the droplets of water will form what's called today what we call an ice crystal. And many ice crystals together will form what we call a snowflake. And it simply becomes too heavy for the cloud to contain. And since it becomes too heavy, it leaves the cloud, and it descends as snowflakes. And when we see these beautiful white angels coming down in such a gentle fashion, and it falls on your hand, it's a very exhilarating feeling, Um. So on one level, you could just see it as a very mechanical and technical, you know, muzzle that happens to be the, uh, the, 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 water, the water droplets in the cloud found a particle of dust 
and it was below frozen point, freezing point, so it became an ice crystal that got, gathered on the particle of dust. You have enough ice crystals together, you have a snowflake, and they come down because it's too heavy, and therefore they come down through the atmosphere until they reach Earth. Now here you have a very interesting thing. Very often it snows up there, but not down here. And the reason is because when the snowflake hits our temperature, it doesn't have that same level of, of coldness it's above the freezing point, so now what happens is the snowflake turns into water, which is why down here it's rain, even though it starts as snow up there. On the other hand, in a weather like we had this week, the temperature down here matches the temperature up there, or at least in the sense that it's below the freezing point, whether more or less or equal, and as a result of that, it retains, it retains the property of snow all the way till it till it hits the earth. Although when it hits the earth, if it's just one snowflake, as he says, or you put it in a keli, it's going to melt extremely easily. And it's going to revert back to the water. So that's all in terms of shelig. That's what shelig is, basically. <laughs> you could, right? You could turn it into mayim, yeah. We'll soon see, I mean, later in the, in the, in the, in the Maimer, how this, all of this is going to be manifested in halacha, the halachas of mikveh, and washing hands, in terms of how we look at snow, when it comes to a mikveh, when it comes to Natilis Yadayim, how we look at ice when it comes to a mikveh, Natilis Yadayim. It's one of, like in everything, the sugis, how they match in nigla, and in halacha, and in nister, and in science, is... Uh, is, I believe, uh, as spectac- spectacular as snowflakes and even beyond. So that's the, that's the concept of the shellac. Sometimes you have an interesting thing, which we call sleet. What's sleet? It's, it's very fascinating. It starts as snow. But when it comes, leaves the clouds, as a result of the climate changing, and the temperature is above freezing point, so it reverts back into water. But when it becomes lower down, the temperature again is freezing point, but it doesn't have enough time. It doesn't have enough time, Mamish, to go into a state of snow again. So as a result of that, it's sleet. It becomes like icy, so to speak, because it goes into that state. But it doesn't, retain, it doesn't remain snow. I mean, it, doesn't, it, it didn't remain snow a whole time. It reverted back to water, and then it becomes sleet. So these are all different manifestations. Then you have what we call ice. Ice doesn't happen in the clouds. Ice happens everywhere. It can happen in your house. It can happen in a lake. It can happen on any surface. It can happen on the ground. And ice, as he said, can become really build up, and become extremely, extremely hard, and extremely thick, and extremely terse, and extremely dense, and extremely powerful, to the point that they'll have all these... Uh, uh, spectacular uh, feats of power. You ever see where people punch in uh, a block of ice that's uh, that's a few feet as to some algaton? Huh? In your martial arts. They punch it with their fist. It's quite a feat to be able to penetrate all that ice. So what does this all mean when we speak about the nimshal? We speak about the marshland versus the nimshal. So he says that the symptom the symptom of the Mayim in Kerach is, as he puts it, is a much greater one. If it's 
not too cold on yeah, that's why it rains. <laughs> and the, the, the shape of the snowflakes, all of its properties are based on the temperature. The temperature of it. And in snow itself, you'll have the fluffy type of snow. And you'll have, you know, the fluffy snow that sticks together. And then you have the powder snow that's more like powder. It remains separate, right? It's good for skiing. So you'll have all these different types of snow that, that's based on, on the different temperatures. So as he said before, in 126, in the first column, that um, the sheleg, even though it changes from the water, it's easily reverted back to water. Where kerach is a gilud av gas. Av is thick, very thick, and gas is... Um, yeah, I mean, here it's not so coarse, but it's, it's fierce, it's stark, it's, it's dense, it's very, very, very thick, to the point... That it could be kama amais very easily. It could be many feet. It could be the thickness. You're not going to have that in snowflakes. It's just simply impossible. Physically, it's impossible. <laughs> much a, a much lighter weight is already going to leave the cloud. That's why it leaves the cloud. It doesn't stay in the cloud. It's too heavy for it. So it's very, very subtle. It's very, very thin. It's almost easily changed back to water. Not almost, very easily. Where kedach is not so simple. It could melt, but it's a process. It takes time. It takes a lot of heat. It takes a really a heavy process to revert it. And he says, even if the kerach is thin, he says it's, it's as thin as the finger. Nonetheless, a layer of ice is so powerful. It's so congealed. That's what he means by the tzimtzum. It's so condensed. It's so compacted. It's so collapsed into itself that it becomes a chefza. It becomes a real object on which you can, on which you can travel, as he put it, you can travel with your horse, and your wagon, your eight horses, and your coach, and your wagon, and put on it many, many burdens and suitcases, and you're completely good. It's mamish like the earth. Just like the earth doesn't pose a danger. On the contrary, the earth is made to carry you. That's what the kerach is, even if it's not so thick. It's, a, it's pretty thin. But that thin layer, as long as it's, as it's not melting, it's a thin layer. It's, uh, it's extremely, extremely, uh, it, it, it's not easily breachable, and therefore you, it could carry you. So he says, this mushal in Gashmias is representing two ways in which the Mayim, which we said Mayim is what? Mayim is Chachma. Ein Mayim el Mayim is the divine wisdom that flows. And where does it flow? As the Gemara says, It flows from the higher realms into the lower realms, all the way down to this realm. As he put it, all the Chachma in this world ultimately is rooted in divine Chachma. Every Chachma. And when he spoke about the Chachma, we spoke about Nituach, the Chachma of biology, the Chachma of anatomy of a person, as the example he gave, which is a Gewaldike, Gewaldike Chachma. It's dazzling, it's brilliant, it's extraordinary to understand the way the body works, the way the human organism, or any organism really works, the way any organism works. He gave the muscle of a human being. That's called a Chachma Gashmas. Why is it called a Chachma Gashmas? Because the whole Chachma relates to physical properties. When you're studying, when you're studying uh, in medical school, the most important props are skeletons. MS. Skeletons. That's what you're looking at. It's tangible. It's concrete. It's real very much in the physical sense. And that's what you're studying. You're studying the chemistry, the makeup, the composition the nature, the relationship, the interactions. 
between all of the avrim, between all of the limbs and all of the organs of the human body. So he says that's an example of the mayim that came down all the way down till, 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 till this world. But it required a tremendous, tremendous amount of tzimtzum to be able to metamorphosize. Metamorphosize means to be able to uh, go through the change, right? Go through the change. You know, we have the caterpillar. Word metamorphosis originally, I think, applies to the, from the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. So over there, the caterpillar, which is uh, terrestrial, which is earthbound, suddenly becomes heavenly. It metamorphosizes from Eretz to Shemayim. Now it becomes a butterfly. But you have the opposite metamorphosis. That v'chachma, to be able to come down, it must be condensed, it must be compacted, it must collapse, it must be contracted. That's the concept of the Mayim turning into Sheleg, and then the Sheleg going back into Mayim, which means it gets into Sheleg to be able to be transported, it got to go through a metamorphosis, but then it reverts back to water where it becomes a whole science, a whole wisdom, a whole chachma. In other words, it's Mayim. But here there's a difference between Sheleg and Kerach in the intensity of this process of Tzimtzum. So he says, The same is true when we speak in the Nimshul about Tzimtzum, about contraction, about condensing, or, or, or bittel, the collapsing into itself, back to the marshal we spoke in Halach, that when something is absorbed, when something is busy absorbing, it will not emit. The art of receiving is not the same art as giving, as transmitting, as sending, as somebody told me yesterday, on the computer, by the email, email, there's two separate buttons. There's receive and open, and then there's send. It's two different experiences. So here you have the concept of when I'm busy reading, when I'm busy absorbing. I'm not admitting, and as we explained yesterday, it's two completely different states in, in, in reality. Even though in today's world, we're all multitasking, and you're receiving, and you're giving, and you're writing, and you're thinking, and you're planning, and you're building, huh? <laughs> in one button, everything is the same. That's from many processors. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> in terms of the makabal, it means that he's so nullified, in other words, he suspends himself so much, it is so intense, the, the, the condensement, the contraction is so intense that his entire chachma, so to speak, suspended and concealed. The northern winds, the northern climates, what we call today the North Pole, Aglid Maya, it freezes and congeals the water. You go to Antarctica, and there, ice, that's the common, that's the common reality. That's what you have to be used to. The Eskimos, right, in those regions, Alaska and so forth. This is their dida. Whose symptom is he referring to at this moment? The Makabal. The Makabal, yeah. 
This represents the gvura of tzofen, the equality of gvura of strength, which gvura is also contraction. Shohu kedimyan avir hakar, gvura in physicality is represented by the cold avir, by the cold temperature, the freezing, the freezing climate hamakarer, which cools umagled and and freezes hamayim ulufitoykef hakar kachtoykef aglad or hagilud. And based on the intensity of the temperature, in other words, based on, it could be below zero, it could be 40 below zero, or it could be like in Chicago a few weeks ago, or in Siberia, you have 30 below zero, 40 below zero, and in some places you have 70 below zero. And people live there, or the polar bears live there. So, because there's much more kur, which creates a much swifter and more powerful Ice and of course much larger, larger sheets, much larger quantities. We have sometimes icebergs and mountains and mountains and mountains of of ice. No, lamaila means in the nimshal. Lamaila, he doesn't mean by the mashpia. Lamaila just means versus lamata. Lamata is physical, and lamaila we mean the concept spiritually. That's what he means, lamaila. Lamaila means from a higher perspective, a deeper perspective. Olahavin calls Abitaisra's beer to understand all this more. He neyuvan de Gmasi Mashamatsinu Bemaisha. We find by Moshe Shayakvat Pelkvat Lash. Hashem wants to send them to Mitzrayim, and Moshe keeps on saying, Kvat Pelkvat Lashanaich. He literally means have a heavy mouth and a heavy tongue. It's hard for me to speak. The reason for this is is known. On one level, you know, the Medrash speaks about how Moshe's tongue was burnt when he was a young boy and it developed into a speech impediment. Yeah. Different Mepharshim explain Kfat Pek, Kfat Lush in different ways. Yeah. Some say that Moshe simply felt he doesn't have communication skills, it was very hard for him to speak, or it was a physical impediment. But just as we're talking about snow and ice, that every physical property is a result of an internal experience, so here we discuss it not al pipshat, al pinigla, in a revealed way. Moshe has a hard time talking, which obviously the Gemara says, Eim but there's something behind that. There's something, there's the neshama of it. What is it? So he says something unbelievable. Moshe couldn't speak because his state of bittel, of oneness, of alignment was ultimate. As he says, when the Jewish people are complaining, he says this twice in Parshas B'Shalach, V'nachnu mo. It's a very interesting expression. What are we? Kisalinu Aleinu, you're attacking us. V'nachnu, we, anachnu, mo. What are we? What does Moshe mean? What does he mean, what are we? Again, Al Pipshadet means, we're not, we're not dictators here. We're not trying to control you guys. We're just following the orders. V'nachnu mo. You know, like, it's like... <laughs> Lahavli, you know, somebody says, I just work here, I don't make the rules. <laughs> what do you want from me? Like, what do you think? I'm trying to control you, I'm trying to manipulate the situation. You think I have water somewhere stuck in my, in my freezer and I don't want to give it to you? I have food somewhere that I'm t- taking away from you? You're attacking us. What are we? He says, what Moshe is saying is something much deeper. It's what we call the state of ma, of chachma, which is two words, koyach ma. Chachma is ches, chaf, memhei, which is a combination of the words koyach ma, 
the koyach, the faculty of ma, of what? Of saying what? What, what, what does this mean? Generally, the concept of chachma, the idea of chachma is koyach ma, the ability to say ma. What is the ability to say ma? On the most basic level, it's curiosity, inquisitiveness. The ability to really ask a question, ma. It comes back to what we discussed in the previous year, the ability to be able to wonder. Who do you, where do you see this most? You see it by children. Children's sense of wonder is completely intact. They wonder. And it's a wonderful thing. Adults are usually so busy and occupied, they don't listen to their questions. But really, children, we all have it innately. It's the question the human being says, Ma, what? What? I was walking one Shabbos with one of my little boys to show a few years ago. So he looks at me, he says, Tati, why is cement always gray? I don't know, I never thought of it. I probably also asked somebody when I was four years old, and I was said, oh, stupid question. So you stop asking. Right? Then, of course, why is the sky blue? Why are trees always green? Why do they never change their color? Why are trunks always brown? Okay, now these are good questions. These are very good questions. And then it's like, look, there's red on the floor because there was a red string. So now for 10 minutes we had to analyze the red string. Now we're usually so busy getting somewhere. Who has time to live? You're busy making a living. But life really begins with the ma, the kayach ma, the power to ask what. It represents something even deeper. It's the humility. Humility is based on Kayachma. What's Kayachma? Kayachma means Ichvesnesht. I don't know. In other words, I don't want to just filter everything through my brain. I want to open myself up to find out what is it, not based on my preconceived notions and my preconceived bias. The greatest contradiction to real growth is, as we said many times, and we spoke about it yesterday at length, is when there's no Kayachma, when I know everything, I can't hear anything new. And I don't even have that ability because even if I'll hear something new, it's not going to be new. I'm just going to put it into the previous files. So as a result of that, all of Chachma really represents that openness. And Chachma is the epiphany of wisdom. Bina is the development. Chachma is as his marshal is Abba, the father. It's the tipa. It's the seed of life that, that spurts out, which is this basics. Which then, which which is the essence of the fetus, and then the mother takes it and develops it. That's like bina, chachma's abba, and bina's ima, the mother. But when you speak about chachma, therefore, it's like the epiphany of wisdom. It's like you have an epiphany, you have an inspiration, like a lightning. It's called a lightning. What does that come from? Where did it come from? It always is pre- the prerequisite of chachma is always bittel. You created an empty space of ma to be able to absorb new information. That's what all chachma is. So the Moshe Rabbeinu says, "V'nachnu ma." His mitzias, his whole mitzias is a mitzias of bittel. His mitzias is a mitzias of ma. But meilu mitzat oitzim chinas habittel ha'yachel is pashut lamata lovele degili bediva bepeh. Because of Moshe's essential bittel that was so profound, he could not be in a mode of ispashtus, of 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 expression, of projection, to be able to articulate himself through words in his mouth. The Talmud who sits in front of his Rebbe ultimately leaves the Shear. And when he leaves the Shear, now the Talmud himself becomes a Rebbe to other Talmudim. But what happens if you never leave? What happens if you're always sitting there? He doesn't speak. That's Moshe. Moshe never leaves. He's always sitting in the presence 
of infinity. And therefore he can never open his mouth. Any form of opening his mouth feels like so inappropriate. Except that Hashem made him leave. He made him of course. But, but that, that, was, that, was the, that was the friction. That was the dialogue. And Hashem keeps on saying, who made people speak? And it's a pella. Moshe didn't know this. Every Jewish kid knows that speech is a gift that comes from God. But Hashem is like arguing with him. You know, let me teach you the basics of Aleph Beis. Basics of Aleph Beis. I'm God and I created speech and I'm telling you to go. Moshe, Hashem says, Me some Pella Adam. Who gave people a mouth? Who, who made people? Who gave people the ability to speech? I'm Allah And I'm telling you to go. What are you arguing with God that you could speak? You can't speak. He doesn't know about speech. He's the, he's the author of speech. But the truth is, Moshe knew that Hashem created speech. Moshe was saying something very, very deep. Moshe was saying something that it's not just that I don't think if you want me to speak, I'll speak. A stick could become a snake. A, 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 sta- a stick could become a snake. Yeah. A mata could become a nachash and all the moifsim and the water could become blood. Moshe Rabbeinu will speak if Hashem wants him to speak. Lepoila wasn't so simple. He brought Adon with him. He sent Adon with him. His speech impediment wasn't uh, completely healed in Mitzrayim. Later, after Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, there's a few times he tells the Jewish people that expression. B'Shalach. B'Shalach by Koirach. Koirach is ice. Yes. Yes, yes, we'll see. It's not uh, not a joke. Koirach is ice, yeah? Yeah. Moshe himself in front of that eye. And Moshe is called Moshe because he was drawn out of water. So just because he was drawn out of water, therefore his name is Moshe? What does, it, what does it have to do? He was drawn out of water. It's a beautiful event. He was taken from water. He was in a casket in water. And if nobody would have taken him, he wouldn't be able to survive there. Simply he wouldn't have, uh, he had oxygen, but he wouldn't have food or milk. The daughter of Pari drew him from the water, and she named him Moshe, which means drawn out of water. But that became his name. If that became his name, it means that captures the essence of Moshe. The Medrash says in Vayikra, Moshe had ten names. Jewish names. His father gave him, his mother gave him, when he was born. The name that the daughter of Pari gave him was a long time after his birth. It was not less than three months, because she retrieved him three months. So it was a name that he got not by his bris, not by his birth. He got it much, much later in his life, and yet that became his permanent name. It's really a nickname, but we don't even know. Most people don't even know that Moshe had a name Tuvia, or Moshe had a name Yekusiel, or Moshe had a name Chaver. These are names that people don't know. These are his parents' names. The Medrash Shavayikra goes through all the names. He had ten names. So as a result of this, it means that Moshe is connected very much to water, very much to Mayan. So we'll soon see the Nekudah here. But the Nekudah, that we, the point of Balatanya is saying now is Kvat Pel, Kvat Lashen. He's always sitting at that shear. And a shear from whom? He's sitting, so to speak, at the Reboi Shalom shear. A Kenish Tefan in the Moil. It's not that he doesn't, he doesn't want to speak. He's shy of people. He doesn't want to, He's afraid he's going to make mistakes. He's going to be judged. He can't open Kvat Pel, Kvat Lashen. It's a Geitnisht. In that state, in the Moil. He can't, he can't open his mouth. Because he makes a complete state of bittal, a complete state of awe, of, of reverence. His eye is not present. He's sitting like, you know when you're sitting with your mouth open, so to speak, mesmerized, consumed, subsumed in, in the presence of what he's receiving. He's not in a state of becoming a projector 
a teacher, a mentor, which is the exact opposite state. Now you become from a mechabel, you go into a state of assertion. You have to be organized, you have to think it through. You're communicating. Now you're in the, you're, you're in the leading role. You're not the mechabel. If you're completely in a state of bittel, if I am not present and I open my mouth, you know what it's going to look like. <laughs> it's, nothing is going to come out. So Moshe essentially is in a state of silence. Not because he has nothing to say, but because he has too much to say. Because what he's receiving is so much more than what he could give. So therefore he's in a state of silence. That's for him the most natural state. And when the Rebbeinu Shalolam pushes him and says, you're going to go, that's a tremendous chiddush, it's a tremendous transformation. It's a tremendous transformation in, in, in his character. Why does it, why does it seem um, easier when two people are, say, having an argument? It's easier for them to, this one talks, this one talks, this one talks, this one talks, back and forth, back and forth, they just keep getting, rather than um, gentle. Why is it easier? Why is it easier to speak than to listen? No, no. Why is it when two people get in an argument, they just, this one, talk, 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 talk. It's hard for them to bittle. Well, bittle is very hard. It's Bittle is very deep. First of all, it takes a lot of confidence, bittle. <laughs> to be bottled, <laughs> you have to have a lot of confidence. Yeah, and, and the process of bittel is one that it's, it's it's a person who's who doesn't want to win. He's looking for truth. He's not looking to win. If you're looking to win, it's a whole different experience. Do we want to win the argument, or we don't? Wanna, if I have to win the argument, then it doesn't lend itself to bittel. So when somebody is in that state of sitting at the feet of a giant, right? And somebody will say, uh, don't you want to speak? I said, no, I don't want to speak. I want to stay here forever. I don't want to speak. Speaking means I'm going to detach and become a whole metzius. I don't want to become a metzius because me becoming a metzius means I lose my real metzius. Bittel is a much more real metzius. Bittel is I'm allowing myself to be a conduit. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. So the Baal Shem Tev told his students that uh, he did a sin and he was punished. They told him from heaven that he's punished. What's the punishment? Punishment is that he has to reveal himself to the world. That's the punishment. Now go th- tell this to many Rebbes today. <laughs> He'll have mysterious Nefesh to reveal himself to the world. First day, Yen Rebbe. There's a difference of sitting at the feet of somebody that he considers it a punishment that he has to that, it, that somebody knows him. Speaking about skepticism and trust, it's a different type of trust, you know? and you can't fake this. Moshe really didn't want to go. Moshe did not need this job. <laughs> now I'm not. Don't take this. Uh, people have tears when I start saying this. I'm not even judging anybody. This is a human trait. Yeah. I speak myself a lot. I know about speaking a little bit. And it brings out great things in people. But for the Baal Shem Tov said, he was punished. What was the punishment? The punishment is that 300 years later, we could sit here today and mention the Baal Shem Tov. So we thank God that the Baal Shem Tov was punished. If I could say that. But for the Baal Shem Tov, it was a punishment. Like for Moshe Why? Why? Baal Shem Tov. 
one of the most famous Jews who ever lived, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, most famous human being in history. What, do you want to remain in a desert with a bunch of sheep of your father-in-law? Your whole life you're going to eat Naden by Yeshua Yisrael? And whatever he says you do, and you're going to have a couple of sheep, and that's where you're going to do your whole life, that's how you're going to live, that's how you're going to pass on. What happens to you? Don't you want to leave? Huh? They didn't know that it's going to die. Exactly. They would have known. They would have no, but even Hashem offers them. Come, redeem the Jew. As we, as a, an old commencement speech, you've got to leave your mark in this world. You've got to do something. Don't just sit, be, don't just sit, sit at home and live in anonymity. But the truth is, that's the Nakuda. For some people, yeah. his galos, that's where their Metzias begins. And it's a very weak Metzias. It's a very poor Metzias. By Moshe, it's the exact opposite. The more he reveals himself, the less you have from him. And that's what he knows. In other words, there's much deeper that can't come out than what comes out. So when something comes out, is what they hear. They once said in the Shia, Moshe says, Lo I'm not a man of words. I'm not a, I don't speak. And then there's a sefer called Sefer Dvarim. For a man who said, I'm not a man of words, he did pretty well for himself when it came to words. In fact, all the words of the Jewish people and of Judaism is all basically a commentary on Moshe's speeches, aren't they? There's nothing in Judaism that is not an expansion of Moshe's dvarim. Nothing. That's the point. That's why those dvarim are infinite. That's why they can go on for infinity. But that's the Nakuda. And that's why Hashem Taka sent him. So that's the Kvat Pe, Kvat Loshen. What? The moment I go into a state of Gilui, I'm actually detaching. Why should I go there? It's so gishmak here. <laughs> they say about one of the chsidim of the Balatanya <laughs> that he was davening. And uh, he was davening. <laughs> and he was sitting on a page in Pesukah de Zimra. And he's sitting in a daven and he's singing and he's having his bain in his... So somebody uh, later came to him and said, what, uh, you know, in Davini you got to turn pages, you got to move on. He says, <laughs> It was so gishmak here. Why do I have to leave? <laughs> Where do I have to go? I just wanted to stay here. That's what the Gemara says, What do I have to leave? Where am I going? That other people should know my name. For what? So the poil, the truth is, that Moshe Rabbeinu had a mission to do. He had a mission to do. And that mission requires sacrifice. It required suspension, not of his material comfort, of his spirituality. The mysterious nefesh of a real manhig Yisrael, like Moshe, is not begashmius. That's very little. It's not that he won't have time and he won't be able to go on vacation and he won't have a life for himself. That's the smaller Messiris Nefesh. The bigger Messiris Nefesh of a real leader is Aruchni is the Messiris Nefesh. He gives up on his dvekas. That's much deeper. Why? Because he's in a different mode. He's now the leader. What's wrong? What do you mean? You're the leader. For him, being a leader is the greatest symptom in the world. <laughs> to be a leader is the greatest self-negation. What everybody is so enamored for you is a form of death. 
What do I, I don't mean death literally, I mean death of your, of your, of your core relationship. I'm, I don't speak. I'm, I'm in a much, I'm in a much, I'm in a much more organic space. Isaac is reminding me that the idea that I think that he's reminding me that uh, you had by the morale didn't want to go to Yisrael because he was giving as I get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the miraglim, the chidusha harim says a lashon. Gonna be a edim of kest, you know, a son-in-law by his father-in-law. He doesn't want to leave. Papa's paying the bills. What do you got to go for? The miraglim, we're in the midbar. Papa was paying all the bills. Yeah, PhD. Papa has dough or man, PHM, and then the Papa is giving the man. What do you have to go and touch Israel for? You have to make an army and a government and sheishanim tizra sadecha or sheishanim tizra kamecha. Yeah. In other words, the point is, the Miraglim had to be crazy to go to Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> you're protected by clouds of glory. You have Moshe as a teacher. Moshe as a teacher. Where are you going to get a better, you're going to get a yeshiva like this in Eretz Yisrael? Where are you going to go? You have Moshe as a teacher, day in, day out. You're eating God's man for breakfast and dinner. You're drinking water from Be'erishal Miriam. <laughs> you got to be crazy to want to leave this. We call it a sin. We call it a sin because Hashem wants them to go into Eretz Yisrael. And life is not always about what's spiritually comfortable because the soul is much more comfortable in heaven. It also came down. But that was the, but it explains to us that the Miraglim were not uh, just uh, you know, grotesque rabble-rousers who were just rebels against Moshe and Hashem. They made a mistake. They made a colossal mistake. But it came from a very... Uh, they missed the target, but because they were looking for they were looking for for a genuine target. So Moshe says, "I'm kvat pe kvat What is it? It's the bittel. It's tachlis habittel. He's always at the shear. He's always sitting at the feet of the ultimate Rebbe. And it's not he doesn't want to. He can't. It, 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 it's his mouth doesn't open. He's glued. He's consumed. He's mesmerized. He's not present. His eye his eye is not present. Eyes in a complete state of bitter. Moshe Rabbeinu could have stayed in the desert. The Boshem could have stayed in the forest. And Alter Rebbe could have stayed in his house. And they could have, each one had an incredible relationship with Hashem, but, but they were all told to go out and serve the people. Yeah. And, and, the, and all of them didn't want to. That's the common denominator. Tremendous, tremendous resistance. They all knew ultimately that was the right thing. They but did it. The paradox, because if they would have wanted to, God would never designate. Exactly. That's the whole point. Exactly. And, and if they would want to, the level of truth that they would give would be a completely different level of truth. If I'm sharing because I want to impress the crowd, how much can I share already? What level of truth can I share? If a person gets up to speak... And his real agenda is, I need the crowd to love me. How deep, how much truth can I give the people? <laughs> I'm basically giving them yeah, less truth than they themselves even have. Because I'm actually <laughs> just trying to feed into, you know, like looking at, like looking at the polls. That's, 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 that's America. Well, some people in America. I, mean, I don't know, everybody in America. It's hard for us to understand because, you know, we had a mayor who spent once, I think, $100 million for his campaign to be reelected. It's the biggest perspective what they're going to love. Yeah. In other words, when, you're not, when you don't need the validation of the crowd, then you have something to say. <laughs> if all you need is the validation of the crowd, then I don't want, there's nothing to say. What are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me what I want to hear? 
I have myself for that. I have my own ego. I need your ego. Chab my egg and ego. That's the kvat pe kvat lashen. I did the tarad lemiv l'loy polit. So he would never speak, he would never become rabbin, he would remain Moshe. That's true. He would remain in the water. <laughs> he would remain in the water. He would remain in the water. And the Chiddush is, he did remain. <laughs> Even when he spoke, he wasn't, that's the point. He remained Kvat Pekvat Lash. It's not something that he left, it's who he was. That's why he t- looks at them, he says, Venach Numa. You don't get it. <laughs> You have to understand who we are. Our mitzvah is bittel. Ma, my I, my ego is bittel. My ego is ma. Ego is my sense of self is ma. That's who I am. And you see it in Parshas Baloischa. It's one of those majestic psukim, if I can express myself so. One of those extraordinary majestic psukim of the Tanakh, elder than made that start prophesizing. And they weren't, they weren't uh, invited to the inner club. There were 70 people who were invited. And Elder and made that suddenly, new Nevi'im on the block. Now, in any community, when that happens, it's called a threat to the hierarchy. And you got to nip it in the bud, right? Everybody knows that. You nip it in the bud, because this is serious rivalry. So Yehoshua, who's a good student, comes to Moshe and says three words, Adoni Moshe, Kloyem. Kloyem is from the word kalem, which means get rid of them. So Rashi says two interpretations. One is arrest them. Put them in prison. This is treason. From the word kela, beis hakela is a prison. Kela, koloi, you're confined. The second shot in Rashi is, Just make them community leaders. <laughs> Make them the Rasha call, turn them into the leader. Don't worry. <laughs> you don't have to kill them. They'll already die. The community will kill them. You have a friend, you want to reward him? Just promote him in a Jewish community. Yeah? Put him on the top. Let him take care of the dinner. Let him take care of the, let him take care of everything. Put him on the top. Don't worry about it. He's done. <laughs> Interesting Rashi. Hatla Leim Tsarchit Sibur. But but the the this conclusion is this or this. Get rid of them. Moshe's response is astounding. Moshe says to Yeshua, he says, quote, Hamekane Atali, you're jealous for me? You're having kanos, kanos, you're jealous, you're zealous because of me, my covet? Umi yitain, kol am Hashem nevi'im, ki yitain Hashem aleihem. Let me tell you how I look at it. My wish is, halavai, the whole nation would be prophets. Hashem would confer his spirit on everybody. Elder Amedad? I want four billion prophets. I don't want two prophets. I want the whole Am Hashem to be Nathanael. You're jealous for me that people could become conduits for God. Here you see it in the profoundest sense. Moshe is the leader. And it's not that Moshe is naive. When it comes to Kairach, one parsha later, two parshas later, it's a very strange phenomenon because here Moshe is like this ultimately, ultimate humble person. There's two Nevi'im and Moshe says, please, Adirabe. I'm not afraid of another Shalashudas in the shtetl. <laughs> he can, can have another Shalashudas, another Shalashudas. And suddenly Koirach says the same thing. 
He almost quotes Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe said, everybody should be prophets. Kairach said, everybody's prophets. Rashi says, everybody heard me piagvura noichi en loyilecha. Kairach said that. Kolayda kolum gdoishim. Who made you Moshe, the Balabas? He basically quoted Moshe two parshies later. And here Moshe's response is absolutely different. Now he goes, he goes out, full out. He goes out fully. Come, burn the incense, the ktoides, let Hashem see who it is. And that's when he says, Venachnuma. What are we? But this really represents the whole Nakuda here. When Moshe spoke about Eldad and Medad, I once gave a whole shir about this. There's a difference between power and influence. Eldad and Medad were not looking for power. Kairach is looking for power. Whenever you have a nation, you're going to have to have a king who decides what to do, what not to do. If not, you're going to have a churban. You can't have many chefs in the kitchen. It's not going to have you. You have on top of an organization, three people and everybody deciding what to do. You have a corporation or a company like that. It's not going to work. But what do you see here, the Nekudah? The Nekudah is that Moshe Rabbeinu, it never becomes that Moshe is the one who says, you know, I need to control here. It's never about that. Why? Because he remains in that state. But here it's not just he's not a guy looking for power. He's a humble fellow. You have people. It's much deeper. It's kvat pek, kvat loshen. He's always the Talmud sitting at the shear to the point that his eye is not really present in an assertive way. His eye is in a state of, of Kabbalah, not Ashpah. Okay. Listen, you have to have a, a, a good Rebbe for this. <laughs> if not, why should you sit at somebody's feet, waste your time? <laughs> if you're feeling you're wasting your time, it's not going to work, you know? Huh? The Mechabal is a Mashpia, but not when he's being Mechabal. It's not at the same time that he's not Mechabal. Oh, Obviously, the Talmud is there physically and emotionally, but he's so there that he's not there. <laughs> you're glued. You're like he'll. As a result of that, he'll be the mashpia. When you're listening, when you're absorbing, there's no eye. You can't. Yeah, I'm talking consciously. You know, you're just like glued. You're just like listening. You're not. Uh, what? <laughs> 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 yeah, Avada, 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 yeah, Avada. The Nekudah is the Zalba. It's called the DNA. Yeah. 
when you get to the level of DNA, it's the whole goof. that in every cell is the copy for the instructions for the ganze gif. We can name from the from the roik from the saliva. Yeah, and that's all. We wait for us. I'm a kimtz the kid the atzmes. I'm a nemtar stickle flesh. We name that we wait for us. We name it could be nine. I'm a kimtz the kid the atzmes is in yede prat the alts. Verstehst du? Chsidus, das ist die DNA, der Pnimi ist der Etzem. Das sind die Alts. Ein, ein Wort hast du Alts. Was ist ein, das ist ein Abschutter. It's indivisible. Ah? The whole Bri and the whole Teure. There's a Bryce in Masechta Sanhedrin, a very fascinating Bryce at Tosefta, that if a Chachem is teaching and two Talmidim come, and they ask a question. One asks about what he's learning. Let's say learning Hilchis Pesach. The other one starts asking about Carbonus. Uh, so he says, you first answer the person who's asking Ke'inyin, the Inyin, the, the topic, and then you can go to the other person. There has to be a system. That's what Reb Meir says. Chachamim say, no. You can go to the other one first. Why? Kol ha-toyre Inyin echad. This is a, in, in Sanhedrin, a Bryce. <laughs> the Rebbe would always say this. I heard it from probably a hundred times. <laughs> if you get to the DNA, it's ein inyan. The spashtus is andish, but the it's ein akuda. Yeah. Yeah, Rabbi Yosef Karo. Yeah. It says also the same thing by him. It says that the same thing, Beis Yosef wanted to die al Kiddush Hashem. And uh, because of some sin he did, whatever it is, you know, sins, whatever, relative to their level. So it was taken away from him. So what happened instead? He became the author of the Shulchan Aruch. <laughs> it says that Beis Yosef, he writes in a Sefer, he was hoping to die al Kiddush Hashem. That was his hope. And it was taken away from him. What was his punishment? <laughs> he became the author of the Shulchan Aruch, one of the most important works in Jewish history till today. Not one of the most important. The whole Jewish world follows the Shulchan Aruch. You can't be a Jew without the Shulchan Aruch. You can't live like a Jew. <laughs> Same thing. If he would have got killed al Kiddush Hashem, few people would know. Maybe it would be a story. But that's it. Today, everyone knows the Shulchan Aruch. It's the Shulchan Aruch. It's also fascinating. What's projected to others is usually a form of detachment from self. And that's painful. It's painful. Marsha doesn't want it. He doesn't want to detach from himself. It's in a way the real humble person doesn't want to be famous. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I don't want to be famous because of the headache. It's just, it's a betrayal of everything. Like, what? I'm now, I'm now a performer, basically. I don't want to be a performer. Yeah, what did they say? They say from the Psim Chabinim that uh, you see people that are running away from covered and the cover doesn't chase them. So he says, because they keep on turning around. <laughs> You know when your kid your kid runs away from you 
but he keeps on turning around to make sure Tati is there. So he says they're running away from cover, but they keep on turning around. That the cover should be this, is that that cover doesn't chase you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.